Read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. Down through the decades, the relationship between the United States and China has gone through many iterations. In the mid-20th century, China was a closed, mysterious, and totalitarian state that was almost completely cut off from the global economy. Today, of course, that situation is dramatically different. While many basic individual freedoms remain in short supply for most Chinese, China has become an economic giant, the United States' biggest partner and rival, and by any fair estimation, a nation that we ignore at great risk. Fortunately, despite many recent tensions, efforts to keep our two nations connected and in conversation continue. And recently I caught up with a North Carolina elected leader who's been part of such an effort, State Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens of Guilford County. Clemens was part of a bipartisan group of lawmakers who traveled to China late last year. And as she told me in part one of a recent extended conversation, her peers in China are paying extremely close attention to news and politics in the U.S. Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you back with us. Good to be back with you. Happy New Year. A lot of people traveled over the holidays in North Carolina, but I wager that very few of them traveled as far as you did. You took part in a a 10-day trip to China with the American Council of Young Political Leaders. Certainly an opportunity to talk about a lot of things, history, China's culture, but also some really important, relevant current issues like climate change and business and technology. Tell us your impressions from that trip. Yes, it was a bipartisan group of young political leaders here in the United States. There were six of us with one um, person from the organization that went with us. And we spent, as you said, 10 days with some young political leaders in China going. We were in Beijing, Nanjing, and then Shanghai. And we had the opportunity to talk with business leaders, government officials and political leaders, some entrepreneurs, and we visited three different universities as well. So it was really an opportune time. And we were coming on the heels of a lot of positive national progress, I would say, between the two countries, President Xi and President Biden having a meeting that I think both sides felt was positive a few weeks before we visited. And then Senator Schumer and Senator Murkowski led a bipartisan Senate delegation a couple of weeks after that. And then our group was on the heels of those two trips. And so it was really an invaluable opportunity to represent American ideals and values and also to learn and understand some of the Chinese culture and their values and where they were coming from. You know, the relationship between the two countries is and will continue to be complex. I do feel like it was such an opportunity to understand more deeply one side of that relationship. And in some ways, it solidified the differences and why I've told several people it's the most proud to be an American, I remember Mm -hmm. feeling. And it was also clarifying what we can and should be about here in America. I think, you know, it's with three Democrats, three Republicans on the trip. And I think we all felt more committed to the real work of American democracy and um, more frustrated maybe by the the distractions and so much of what's happening right now. I guess that's mostly encouraging. I know it's been a time of some tension between China and the United States. It's encouraging to see that perhaps you came away with some optimism that maybe there is a, a road ahead in which we can find ways to alleviate tension and maybe even collaborate. Yeah, you know, I I think that's right. And I think there will continue to be direct competition with China in many ways. Mm -hmm. I also think there 
is no way to get around the huge impact on the world the relationship between the U.S. and China have. You know, they said many times that they see their relationship with us as the most important bilateral relationship in the world. I think economically, there's no way around the way that our two countries are tied together. So climate change, fentanyl, you know, there were some very concrete ways, I think, that there will be and are increasingly collaborative conversations between the two countries. There's been an increase in sharing of military intelligence, which is certainly, as we see the volatility of the world, will be important in keeping China and America safe. And I think it's clear, you know, the young leaders we were with, believe deeply in their country, as do we, for America. So, you know, it was really an interesting tension over the time that we were there in navigating both where we can work together and where we feel very strongly differently. Do you feel like there are some commonalities in the hopes and dreams that the younger people that you met with there that maybe in some ways they're just like us in many ways? Well, I think for sure, right? Like we spent time and we showed each other pictures of our kids and what you know, what they hope for their children is not different, really, than what I hope for my children. So I think certainly that is true. I think a couple of other similarities are deep pride in our countries. You know, I think the young leaders in China have deep pride in the progress that China has made. And as do we have deep pride in America and what we stand for in the world. And I believe both the young political leaders in China and the group that I was with, which was very in and of itself diverse politically, the group of Americans, all of us feel responsible to use our lives to improve the communities around us. So certainly the debates will continue on what that should look like and what the role of government is and all of those things. But most definitely, I was encouraged by the deep commitment all of us feel really to how we use our lives to improve our community. We're talking with State Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens, who is uh, the House Deputy Democratic Leader. She served three terms in the North Carolina House representing Guilford County. She's just returned recently from a trip to China with other young political leaders. You mentioned the fact that you talked or at least alluded to the fact that you have great pride in the United States, but also there's some frustrations with some of the recent uh, developments in our country. Talk about your hopes for democracy in our country and, and maybe how this might have impacted your thoughts about that. Yeah, my hope for democracy is that it survives the next few years. I think it is being tested. I was blown away over and over again on how much the Chinese knew of American history, the current American political dynamics, how much energy they are putting into understanding what's happening in America and what they predict will happen. There's no way to overstate how carefully we are watched because of what we mean. And when you feel that, you just feel such a responsibility, right? One of the women, the Chinese young leaders, she said in a discussion Everything is discussable if you keep the right attitude. And I kind of sit with that. What does it mean for, as Americans, things to be discussable, even if we don't agree, but that we have this shared commitment to our country, the institutions that have made this country, the constitutions. And in some ways, that shared commitment nationally is being questioned. And whether it survives is on each of us. And, you know, I think 2024 is going to be a huge test of that. And it has new factors, you know, with artificial intelligence. I mean, there's just all these new factors that even in 2020 and in 2016, we didn't have. So 
I have hope, but I think that comes with a deep belief that hope is different than optimism. And hope means that we will do work to get to that good. Optimism is that we just believe it will stay that way. And I think that might have been how I felt 10 and 15 years ago. Well, you know, American democracy is fine and it will continue on. And now I believe I have hope for it, but I believe it's going to take all of us in the next year. Of course, in light of those comments, we're talking just as we mark the third anniversary of the January 6th yeah. uh, insurrection, uh, certainly the biggest threat to our democracy that any of us can remember in our lives. Do you worry that there are these dueling narratives that we have these frankly, lies and misinformation out there about what happened that day and that that seems to still remarkably resonate with a big chunk of our population that seem to be falling for that. Yeah, I mean, of course. And I just heard research that less Republicans now see it as an actual threat to democracy than they did when it initially happened. Less people saw it as dangerous now than three years. And so, you know, I think the anniversary is an important reminder to all of us of just how volatile things can be. And policy debate aside, we have a responsibility in both parties to have leaders that are going to be moving our country forward. Obviously, I support Joe Biden, who will be our nominee, I believe. But I think there are leaders in the Republican Party who want to move the country forward as well. That is not Donald Trump. And I think there are many Republicans know that. We just need leaders on both sides of the aisle in local, state, and federal races that want to move our country forward and want to have legitimate policy debates. People who want to be destructive to our country in any aisle or either side are not what we need right now. And honestly, circling back to the trip of in China, that clarified it for me, right? right? Like our responsibility as Americans more than I had ever felt it after being there. And that was, I think, a bipartisan feeling of the six mm-hmm. of us that were on the trip. And it, you know, it just makes you want to shake people that are willing to dismantle so much of what we stand for in the world. It's frustrating. So, yes, I think it is a threat. I am worried. And all we have is us. One of the people on the trip was the Pennsylvania State Director of the Americans for Prosperity. A very conservative Very conservative order. group, Coke brothers funded conservative think tank, but they had just endorsed Nikki Haley, which Mm. they've never endorsed in a presidential campaign before. But, you know, we need more of that. Honestly, we need more people willing to say, even if I I don't agree with Nikki Haley on many policy debates, I do believe she believes in our country and doesn't want to destroy it. And so anyway, we'll see what happens. I hope that we have leaders on both parties that are about progress for our country. Either way, there is work to be done and we need everyone in it. Coming up next, part two of my extended conversation with Representative Ashton wheeler Clements. Stay with us. Read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. In part one of a recent extended conversation I had with North Carolina State Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens, the Guilford County lawmaker shared some details of a fact-finding trip to China she took in late 2023 with a bipartisan group of American legislators. 
In part two of our chat, we shifted our gaze back home to domestic matters and, among other things, Clemens' deep concern about the threats to democratic government lurking on the state and national political scenes and her fervent hope that North Carolina Republican legislative leaders and budget writers will abandon their war on public schools and recognize the need to dramatically enhance education funding. While I got you on, I'd like to talk for a few minutes sure. about North Carolina. Uh, yeah. The trip to China is fascinating, but also you're be back to work in the General Assembly before too long. It's an election year, but the legislature will be back in town doing the people's business. We don't often see a lot of big or bold initiatives leading up to an election, but you never know. And one area where I know you'd like to see maybe some more effort and some bipartisan agreement is in the area of child care. Uh, this is an area Absolutely. in which we've got to so many needs, particularly in the aftermath of the pandemic, so many of those needs unmet. Talk to us about what would be some of your hopes and wishes for North Carolina, things that we could be doing better in that realm? Yes. I mean, I, I think you're right. The way we are set up both politically and then just in the way short session is set up, you know, the even year just don't have as many big ticket items. With that said, June 30th, we are hitting the child care cliff and our child care payments will run out. And so mm. 90% of child care workers on June 30th, if we don't take action, we'll make one to two dollars less an hour, which is a significant decrease in their salaries in an already strained childcare system. There are a few states that have already hit this cliff and they have hmm. lost a third of their childcare within six months after hitting that cliff. Could we be. cannot afford that in North Carolina. You talk to anyone who's trying to find childcare, much less affordable, but just childcare in general, they cannot find it. So we cannot afford to not take action in our short session budget adjustments on this childcare issue. And we are at the end, like June 30th is it. And so if we don't take some action, we can expect around a third of our childcare to close. It will be worse in the rural areas where they can least afford it. And so Definitely in childcare, we have got to take some serious action. Every day we hear different threats about election security. We have got to make sure the state board and local boards of elections have the financial resources that they need. Going back to what we were talking about in this, you know, tension filled time to keep people safe, to do the work of democracy. And to do it in a way that people feel confident in. I think we need to take action to ensure that that is true for our local and state boards of elections as well. So those are two immediate crisis things, I think. The other thing that keeps me up at night the most is the state of our public schools. No surprise to you. My own children have had teachers leave and that since Christmas break at their schools and they are at high-performing magnet schools. And so you can only imagine what it's like for our most vulnerable children. And what we are doing is not sustainable for the teachers and students of North Carolina, and it is just going to continue to get worse. And the children who are most impacted are the ones most depending on us. So obviously, we've already done the debate on salary increases and support staff. Usually, we don't address that again in the short session, but I do think it's a crisis that's in front of us, and we have to continue to push for our children and their educators. So child care, K-12 education, elections, these are all areas in which we need, frankly, to spend more money. We need more public appropriations, it would seem, but we have the money, right? It's not like it's not there to spend. 
Definitely. You know as well as I do that there are billions of dollars sitting in the rainy day fund. There's SCIF funding that we could be using. I mean, there's there's lots of options. We just have to believe that it's our responsibility to take care of our children, to protect democracy at the state level, and that that means we have to invest in it reasonably and responsibly. And we can do that. North Carolina already has the resources to be able to do so, and we need to quit making long-term financial decisions without a financial commitment to our children and democracy. I assume you probably have some concerns about the fact that the state Supreme Court is revisiting yet again the Leandro ruling that would have actually increased significantly funding for K-12 through education in our state, but it appears that the Republican leaders of the General Assembly would like those rulings to be overturned and basically rule that Uh, The court has found that we have a need, but there's really nothing the court can do to order the legislature to fund public schools. Yes. I mean, I'm concerned about the Leandro case, but I'm really concerned about the judicial overreach in general. The idea that the Supreme Court is just going to relook at things for no reason other than they don't like how it was decided flies in the face of checks and balances and in the way that our Constitution was set up, both at a federal and state level. Leandra, of course, is what I'm passionate about. We have to comprehensively fund our schools, and we are not. You can go to any public school and have evidence of that, literally anyone, and have evidence of that. And that is one issue, but if we zoom out to just how we function as a society, having a judicial branch that just because of one election decides to relook at whatever they choose to, it is fundamentally opposed to who we should be as North Carolinians and Americans, which is a frightening reality we are in right now. Well, thankfully, you're there. We're really appreciative of the fact. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, hopefully, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> We really appreciate your hard work and your uh, fight for so many important causes. Thanks for it. Uh, Enjoy the 2024 session. I'm sure we'll talk again later this spring. Yes, sounds great. Look forward to it. Well, that's it for this edition of News and Views. Remember, you can check us out online and subscribe for free to some of our state's best news coverage and political commentary at ncnewsline.com. You can also listen to all of our interviews and commentaries wherever you get your podcasts. Producer Clayton Henkel. It's Rob Schofield. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to News and Views, a weekly look at state news, events, and public policy debates produced by North Carolina Newsline. Visit them online at ncnewsline.com.